I believe that life is a quest, and we're all heroes on a journey of self-discovery. I'm on a mission to explore my potential, optimize my mind, body, and lifestyle, and master the game of life. Join me as I seek out some of the best guides and mentors on the planet, and unpack their brains for the magical weapons and roadmaps needed to help you reach your potential. My name is Ollie Herman Taylor, and I am a torchbearer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Torchbearer podcast. Today, I am joined by Steve Steidolf. I was saying Stidolf, which is wrong. Steidolf. What what uh, is the origin of that surname, Steve? Thanks for having me, Ollie. This is uh, this is very nice to be in your beautiful home. So thank you very much. Firstly, um, yeah, I've got Scandinavian. Um, roots supposedly cool. in the surname but no direct descendant so not quite sure if that's been lost in translation or not but yeah i usually get called stidolf but it is actually steidolf and people usually think i'm german for my love of germanic things and with the name but it is not but you know I hope you don't mind me saying this but obviously you know with your with your image like you you can't see steve at the moment there's going to be a nice photo i'm going to post on instagram and uh, other places to promote this but um You've got kind of a bit of a Viking thing going on. You've got you know, quite, quite a, a big beard, a nicely trimmed beard. You know, you've got the the kind of uh, a nice like sleeve tattoo. It, it looks like it's sort of significant. It looks like it has quite a bit of meaning for you. Um, yeah, it's got, it- quite interesting to jump straight in on that actually because um, that actually it, it is very very important to me, and I'd actually like to elaborate on that immediately if if I may. Basically, when I was young, when I was growing up. Um, the first time I really ever found any passion in anything um, was with um, with music and um, that was with a guitar and that was when I was nine years old and I started listening to Metallica and Guns N' Roses and um, had the opportunity to have some guitar lessons on an acoustic guitar and from then on my entire passion was um, was about music really and it was about about that guitar and all I wanted to do is grow my hair long, wear Metallica t-shirts and sit there um, smoking spliffs and playing um, and playing heavy metal into my teens. Um, so that was the really kind of the, the heart of my upbringing. I wasn't really an a- academic person, didn't really have a sort of strong upbringing or a push from the parental front. And that, so my salvation was my music. If, if I'm perfectly honest with you, immediately quite deep. Um, I wasn't really happy when I was younger. I had quite an unhappy childhood. I have no, no major significant things going on that's you know just a very happy time for me i was very unhappy in my in my earlier years and um how did, how did that sort of you know show itself how did you feel was it like um difficult interacting with friends yeah what would you mean by unhappy are you happy to sort of very, elaborate on it a bit? yeah i'm very happy um um very lonely very lonely i didn't have very strong friendships and you know going through teens into later teens um certainly was not able to get girlfriends or kind of engaging with the opposite sex was something that perhaps wasn't as um you know forthcoming with me as it as it sort of is with other people or or, or whatever and um yeah my memories of those times were not very 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 happy and and music literally was my salvation and that was just playing heavy metal music playing that guitar and then drinking and taking drugs was definitely a uh, a thing that was a part of my life and a thing that I sort of turned to and we're probably bounce around in different a- aspects of this and, 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 and life. But as I got older, when I've made a big change in my life, 
um, I came away from the the sort of heavy metal music, and I came away from that. I think because I wanted to make a break away from that lifestyle and put it in my my past, and I kind of went a bit more for the sort of clean cut, clean shaven type of approach and type of look. And I spent a lot of years of my life building up my career in the in the fitness world, really sort of heading along those lines. And um, yeah, and it's kind of made it's 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 kind of made a big comeback now. It's kind of made a big comeback, and quite a few um, significant things have sort of happened to kind of bring that bring that back. But I do feel that it is very very significant to me. I'm kind of rambling a little bit now, but there was um, no. That's good. That's good. I mean, you're quite a contrast from. So we were working out when we uh, before we started recording that we've met before, like years ago, but we've kind of known each other on social media yeah. essentially and interacted on. Uh, the weird world of social media <laughs> over the last couple of years and you're yeah. quite a contrast in the fact that you've got you're a big guy you're like a strong looking guy you have like a viking kind of esque uh, or gladiator-esque kind of uh, presence however i often see videos of you with an acoustic guitar playing something beautiful mm. and it's a big kind of contrast between the kind of hard and soft side you know because yeah. it, it's not just you're not just like bashing out a heavy metal kind of tune you're playing something that's actually quite from the, the times I've seen you play, so, something kind of, you know, captivating and kind of, uh, yeah. yeah. T- t- talk about that. Yeah, well, do you know what? The thing is with me is it's it's interesting to say that I have that look where, you know, I've got a bit of muscle, I've got the tattoos, I look like a little bit of a dirty um, dirty rocker. <laughs> um, but the thing is I'm a very, very passionate person and I'm very, very in tune um, with my surroundings. And um, having passion is the most important is the most important thing for me in my entire life and I believe it's the it's the key to to anybody's success really and I may have a certain look but that does bring that whole thing on the table that you can't really judge a book by its cover because um I have never in my life enjoyed um violence or aggression or trying to think I'm really really hard or better than somebody and I'm certainly not a competitive person at all um I believe in being very 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 passionate about what I do doing things with a lot of purpose and um, I'm actually quite a sensitive um, person to my surroundings and the people that I have in my life and the people that I have in my life are very very important and that is everything for me about music keeping on with the music now um, music and nature are really really big contributing factors in my life they're the two things in my life that um, have power over me okay cool and I hope you don't mind me mentioning it because I wasn't sort of highlighting the, the look side of things mm. um, because it, you know, uh, for any other reason apart from the fact that it looks cool. So I, I'm kind of interested in tattoos, basically. And we'll get into the deeper stuff uh, <laughs> yeah. shortly. Um, and I'm kind of interested in tattoos and I've always uh, umdenard as to whether I should sort of take the plunge and, you know, mm. get something. But I haven't kind of uh, been able to focus on anything that's kind of meaningful enough to, to okay. put indelibly onto my skin. And I, I see you've got like a, you know, a full kind of sleeve there. Yeah. Obviously, that's got some significance and some meaning. Uh, is there anything you can yeah. you know, tell us about? I'll actually begin with my other tattoos, the ones that you um, the ones that you can't see. Nice. And actually, the uh, the first tattoo that I I ever had is actually the one that's on my back, which I'll I'll show you right now as we're speaking. Actually, okay. so basically, Steve's taking up his T-shirt at the moment. What does that say? So it says Valenbrosa. Valenbrosa. And there's a deeper awesome. story. Hang on, let me take a photo. Behind this. Okay, yeah, <laughs> get that. Awesome, yeah, okay. Okay, so the story behind this. Okay, first of all, Valenbrosa 
is the name of the heavy metal band that I was in um, when I was younger, and that was a that was a big part of my life. It's something I was very, very, um, very, very passionate about, as I keep mentioning. Now, I loved tattoos, and I did actually did a body a, 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 a project on body adornment um, for an art project when I was at school. So it was all about tattoos and piercings. Um, but I never wanted to have any tattoos. I never wanted to um, have something on my body. I thought I would regret it. And then when I was 25 years old, uh, my older brother, he died of a brain hemorrhage unexpectedly. He had served 22 years in the Royal Marines. He had come out and then um, he'd unfortunately just died of a brain hemorrhage, which can... What age? Uh, he was 44. Wow. I believe. So, yeah, wow. a young, a very young age to go. So incredibly fit, like incredibly capable. I, I, I went for the first interview for the Marines, but then yeah. I decided to not go any further and they might not have let me either <laughs> but um i know i know what sort of caliber you have to be basically to yeah to, yeah to, so he's of the highest caliber and you've got to think when i'm when i'm this young kid just a bit scraggly and a bit you know a bit fucked up and my brother wasn't really that that present in uh, without without going without boring people with the details of it my family was quite disjointed we weren't all brought up together as a happy family there was a lot of stuff that it's not that I'm not happy to go into. It's just it's just too much to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just important that people understand. It was very disjointed. Um, but he was there and he was present. And I just remember when I was a kid and just seeing him there, and he had this huge eagle tattooed on his back. And um, he was just this big marine with these tattoos. And I remember seeing that as a kid. And then as I was in my teens, getting more and more into my heavy metal, people would be saying, "Oh, you'll grow out of that heavy metal rubbish." And he was like fuck that no way like you'll love it forever and you know he was like proper like that and he'd and he'd take the cds of my band vad and Brosa, and show all of his marine friends and like be proud of his little brother in this yeah. band and it was a really cool thing so when he died basically at his funeral you weren't allowed um any suits he all had to, all of his mates were basically marines and hell's angels he was into okay. harley davidson bikes and being a hard-ass marine, yeah. So at the funeral, everybody was wearing like heavy metal t-shirts and rock t-shirts, and I remember walking out of that funeral with my Metallica t-shirt on, saying, "Right, I am going to get a massive tattoo on my back, like my brother had that massive eagle, and I'm going to get it because you could die tomorrow. I don't care what it looks like when I'm older. I'm going to get this massive tattoo in honor of my brother, but I'm going to get Valenbrosa written across the back because." he was the one that really pushed me to do the band. And people could say, oh, you'll regret getting your band name tattooed on you. And I was like, I don't care. I'm proud of it right now. It stands for something now. And it stands for the belief system that he instilled in me. So that was the first tattoo that I got. And when I went through it, I I called a really famous tattooist that lives locally. And I went to see him and he had a year's waiting list. And, um, And I said, look, you know, will you do this tattoo for me? It's really important to me. It's for my brother. And he was like, wow, that's a big one for your first one. He goes, yeah, I'll do it for you. And and I just, I remember, and it, kind of getting back to that thing about not being a hard man or anything, I remember walking in for the appointment and seeing Darren Stairs, who did the tattoo, and I was saying, oh, I'm shitting myself. It's going to really hurt. He was like, you'll be all right, mate. You'll be all right. He's like, proper geezer. Took yeah. me in there. And he goes, you'll be all right. It's good for your brother. And it literally, and I, and I sat through like six hours in my first sitting and it was just, I felt like the pain that I was going through was putting me in tune with my brother. It was putting me yeah. in there and that's the and that's the story behind that tattoo. I find it really, really interesting, especially when you go back to where, how we started. We started talking about image and I kind of started it deliberately because 
you know, as you said, you shouldn't ever judge a book by its cover. Yeah. And the thing that I, I find fascinating is there's always a deep story. Well, usually, not, not always. There's usually a deep story behind kind of things like tattoos because it's quite a commitment. Yeah. And I think humans are really interesting because over the years, I've done a lot of like research into story and the structure yeah. of story and things like that. And um, humans really respond to like symbols and rituals. And in fact, we are kind of story-based creatures in the sense yeah. that stories are how we make sense of the world. It's like so stories are kind of sense-making device. Uh, and I, I love the fact that there are personal symbols people can take that really kind of, you know, yeah. encapsulate, you know, a person, an experience or something. Yeah, so first of all, I'm going to just pause you for a second before we get on to the next bit. I'm going to get you to have a sip of this, basically. So um, I brought out a tray of coffee when we sat down and a bottle of uh, kombucha. And this is my sister-in-law's homemade kombucha. And uh, I've been drinking this regularly. I absolutely love it. But you said to me, what's kombucha? So I'm going to tell you in a minute. I have no idea. But, but the first thing good. I'm going to do is I'm going to get you to have your first ever sip of kombucha live on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> it almost looks like homemade cider, which yeah. is very appealing, okay. if I'm honest. Let's have a go. Bottoms up. Oh, that's good. What's that? It's got a big bit of zinc. What's that bite? What's that? So oh. basically it's got turmeric in it. It's got ginger in it. But kombucha is like a, like, I'm not an expert on this, but... I drink it. Uh, it's like fermented. So it's got a starter kind of culture, mm. uh, which is called a SCOBY. I can't remember what that start stands for, but basically it's a fermented drink. Uh, and you make it with tea, green tea, and then sugar, and then you ferment it with the culture. But the sugar kind of gets uh, eaten up by the culture. And you, know, you can put in other bits and pieces. And she puts in like raw ginger, turmeric. She did one recently with like uh, fresh fresh raspberry. But there are lots and lots of kind of, uh, yeah, health benefits, but mainly around around the gut. And kind of gut bacteria and kind of uh, promoting healthy gut bacteria and things like that. But Fantastic. I thought you should have your first. Uh, That's delicious. Your, your first taste live here. Yeah. Um, so, what's what's the gladiator camp? Okay. Basically, I'm actually going to just tell a little story now, if I may, because um, I'd like to round up what I said about the mm. tattoos, um, because it does lead into where we're going to go with this gladiator camp. So if I may. Yeah. Uh, like, okay. Yes. It's your, it's your interview. Okay. So if we go to the point in my life where I've gone through my unhappy childhood, um, definitely finding my love for music and the passion with that sort of drug and, and alcohol abuse, if you will, Stra transcending into the fitness world, uh, my heavy metal years with the band and then going into the death of my brother and that's when I got my first tattoo and that was the first big sort of catalyst of change for me I think experiencing that bereavement um, and then my life continued on quite an extreme path which has actually led me to the place now which um, I'm very very grateful for because from from the darkness I've managed to to create something that has literally been my salvation. So I think it is important for me to just tell the rest of the story. So yeah, please, after, please, please. after my brother passed, I also lost my parents. And that all came in a in a in a three year three year um, gap there. And that was quite a quite a hard a quite hard time. And it became I don't know, when you start experiencing that amount of loss, it's almost when you hear the next person is got cancer or they're sick or they're going to die you're kind of like you almost become numb to it you're like wow what else oh this person's going to die oh this person's just died oh this person's going to die and you think wow like you could it's just it's just um you can imagine i don't know when i watch like 
band of brothers when I see them there fighting and their friends are getting killed beside them. And to start with, it must be horrific. After a few months, you're thinking, fuck me. They just become, it becomes the norm. As horrendous as that is, you think. Because it's a coping coping mechanism. You switch into that place, right? Yeah. Um, and so obviously that's hard and horrendous, but let's let's kind of keep it on the coping mechanisms type of thing. Um, so what I chose to do, Sorry, this is like age tw- like twenty five to twenty eight. So you, you lost your brother, yeah, and then then both of your parents Absolutely. within a, this three year window. Absolutely, yeah. Do yeah, you mind yeah. if I like ask and say no? But like, yeah. you mentioned cancer was was that involved with your parents? Uh, yeah, yeah, was it was health or it was. Yeah, um, I lost both my nans to old age just before that, and then my brother died of a brain hemorrhage, and then both of my parents died of cancer, and then. A couple of years ago, my other other brother died of cancer as well. So there has been a lot of cancer in my family, and so it, both brothers and your parents as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I did not know any of this. Yeah, so that that's kind of those have been very those have been very significant factors in my life and my journey. Um, so obviously that's that's shit and that's hard. Um, but I think what's really important for the message is is the coping mechanisms and how you choose to kind of conduct yourself and manage yourself or navigate through those times. Um, so the story I'm going to tell is round about that period when my, my brother died, my parents had died. That's when I started with the tattoos and that was a really big thing for me. So doing my fitness training, doing a job I'm passionate about, but having those markings on my body were like a really big thing for me. So I've actually got tattoos as well for my mum and for my dad. And actually, I'd like to, can I, can I go off? Sorry if I'm rambling a little bit here. Can I go ahead and can I just tell you this story? Hey man, this is, can go wherever you want it to go. And, you know, if you're happy to share this kind of stuff with people, I think they will find it very, very valuable. Yeah, well, well, I'd like to go through this because then this relates to then the whole image thing with the beard. And then it leads into what I did with my gladiator camp. Um, So I'll just tell this story and then I'll go through this transition. So the next tattoo I got after that was actually, actually for, for my dad. And that is the pattern down here, which is for... I'm going to take a photo of these because I might, if, yeah. you, if you don't mind, I'm going to post some of them so people can actually see what you're talking about. They can yeah. connect the conversation. So that is the letters for A Son Never Forgets, yeah. which is hidden yeah. in the pattern down there. So yeah. I wanted something to remember my dad, but I wanted it to be... Obviously, I'm telling people about it, but it's kind of private. You can't see it yeah, unless yeah. I tell it's you what it is. It's not on display. Exactly. Yeah. It's just there. And then I want to have across my chest is for my mum. And, and that's, it, that's German. It's German, and it says "Mein Herz brennt," which means my heart burns or my heart is burning, and that is a purpose to, to this. Okay, now when when I was in my early twenties, um, I had a German girlfriend, and I used to go over to Germany to visit her. And my mum absolutely loved that I did that because when my mum was young, she um, moved out of house, out of home, and got married when she was seventeen. Um, and she had my my oldest brother that passed away when she was 19 and she never got to the opportunities the world was just a different place back then so she never got the opportunities and she really really pushed me to 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 sort of live and to travel away and I think where in my earlier years the parenting had been a little bit laxed for various different reasons she was very very behind me on trying to kind of make things right and to really support me as like kind of transcending into adulthood if you will and my mum really really encouraged me to do that so Germany became a big part of my life and quite significant because it was the first time of me branching out into the world from this scared unhappy 
little unconfident teen into kind of becoming a man and to taking out into the world. You were in this kind of insular place where you like you're listening to heavy metal and you were kind of like drinking a lot, taking drugs and yeah. like taking refuge in your music. And so this is the first time you 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 kind of open your horizons up and yeah, yeah okay. big time. Really look into yeah. the world and to go into that. Yeah. Um. So so my mum really really encouraged me to do that. So to have the German words, my heart is burning. Yeah. Really stood for the kind of whole mindset that whole that whole belief system that my mum instilled into me by encouraging me to do that so it really stood for something so the markings aren't just mum and dad yeah there it stands for a point to travel the world to go out my heart is burning it's either burning because i'm in pain and it hurts or it's burning with passion and fire and desire to take on the world and to go out there and do something and in the last couple of years is it fair to say that 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 second meaning that kind of your heart's burning with kind of passion and yeah like that sparks being ignited to go out and build something to create something to go and follow 100%. your dream that that's kind of taken over that's the dominant kind of uh yeah. motivation now rather than the kind of pain and the anguish and the because i didn't know this stuff. And you, you know, it's devastating the fact that you've lost kind of essentially your whole family or I have a sister, yeah, okay. which we're very, very close with, yeah. and um, yeah, we've got um, we've got a couple of uncles. <laughs> Unfortunately, my other uncle, it's, you can't even write it. My other uncle died last week. He had a heart attack on his on his eighty fourth birthday, but that's a good age. Eighty four is a good age. Yeah, it's a good yeah, age. Still, and it's a celebration of life. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was a good man. And yeah. eighty four, he wasn't in pain. Yeah. He went, and that's fine. And you stick together with that. Um, but actually, what you just said is very very interesting point because. I do have issues with my parents. People think it's sad because you've lost your parents and that's the whole thing. It's important, I believe, to everything seems to be so fairy tale when you see it online and you read about it. It's like, oh my God, like you've lost your parents, you've gone through this hardship. That's really, really sad now, but you've come out the other side and got this fitness business. That in reality, it, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, it's really sad that I lost my parents. It's really hard. But my childhood was unhappy. I have a lot of issues with my parents and the and the way that the parenting was delivered. And I go through counselling to manage that. It's things aren't just that black and white. You so know? it's not that it's not this fairy tale childhood that you're coming out of, and then tragedy strikes and you lose your parents. Obviously, it's a tragedy because of what yeah. happened at, at any any stage. Yeah. However, you know, it's really interesting that you're highlighting this, and I think this is really important. And I want to kind of dive yeah. into this because you have issues. You know, Absolutely. you have issues relating to childhood. And I think social media is particularly interesting for me because, you know, I post quite a lot of content, less now than I used to. Mm. And a lot of it's kind of motivational, coachy type stuff. Mm-hmm. And always in the back of my mind, you know, you realise that sort of sometimes you find yourself trotting out kind of lines and content that you don't really believe in. And it's yeah. just sort of slightly empty and meaningless. <laughs> and always in the back of my mind it's the fact that you know some people when you're telling people it's all going to be okay and you yeah. can do anything and you can overcome anything yeah. actually some people are dealing with like proper proper tragedy Big they've time. got shit in their life that's happened that you wouldn't choose it's not your fault mm-hmm. it wasn't a choice because you did something wrong it's just stuff yeah. that happened that was beyond your control and so whilst i fully believe that we are in the driving seat yeah. we can kind of shape our own reality within reason i never want to kind of insult people's experience and the fact that you know shit does happen in people's lives and i think that we it's easy to get sucked in i think in this country we are following the americans in the sense that we kind of want to paint everything make it a bit fluffy and kind of ultra positive yeah Uh, and so i like the fact that you kind of share quite a lot of reality basically you know you kind of you share the good and the bad 
Yeah, and I think it's really important because I'm sitting here now and I sit in a very good position where I'm feeling very motivated and I can tell you um, the positive that I've got from my experiences, how I looked up to my brother when he was, you know, when he's there, how my mum instilled in me to get me out and go travelling. But then I will flip the other way and then I think, fuck, my daddy was a cunt, you know, how dare he just be there, that absent, just do this, you know, he's a shit dad. He's a man at the end of the day. We all make mistakes and that's fine, but you go through these things. You know, my mum did a lot for me in my later life and really pushed me and the, she had an air of innocence about her that was just extremely infectious and you're just like, can take a lot from that, just so calm mm. and everything. But you have the negative thing there and my counselling, and I'm an, av- an avid, you know, I, re- I really, really recommend counselling to, to people. It's really, really useful for me. And do you know what? It is about self-management on a daily basis. After I went through this period and I've got these tattoos and they stand for something, those things gave me strength. They really gave me strength. And it's just you you kind of sculpt yourself and you understand yourself and learn to accept yourself as you go on. So let's talk about self-management, if that's yeah, all right. I mean, absolutely. Gonna, we'll come back to that in a second, but like counselling first, if that's all right. Yeah. So... With the counselling, what what sort of type is it? What what sort of uh, is it like CBT? Is it? Yeah, he uses he uses a mix of that. Um, with with the counselling, I went to uh, the NHS and had counselling after my mum died, and I actually seeked out a couple of different counsellors, and um, it took me a little while to find this particular person. Counselling is a very very personal thing. It's like having a relationship with somebody. You can't go, oh, what's your counsellor? I'm going to go to your one. It doesn't work like that. You know, it, it's it's we're all different aren't we it's apples and pears you know it's subjective it depends what you like and what you it depends the connection that you can create with somebody i believe it's like being a trainer you could be the most amazing trainer in the world Mm. you know i might come to you and think you're amazing someone else might come to you and not get the same fulfillment so i think that's very important i i actively went out of my way to find a counselor and i went on to google and i actually traveled from petersfield to basingstoke to see this man and he blew my mind. He was like, best counsellor I've ever had. And that's like, what, 20 miles? Absolutely. Plus, you know, so it, it's a fairly significant journey. Yeah. Was it specifically bereavement counselling at first? No, not with this guy. I had that through the NHS. Okay. And I just went to this guy because I was just, just lost, you know, just not, just still had all these issues surrounding relationships, particularly. Um, I have a very, very hard time um, managing um, romantic relationships. Um, In what way? Um, I've always fa- I can be the most amazing friend to somebody. I can be a very, very loyal friend, very, very trustworthy. I've got very strong um, morals that I will live by. But if you're a friend, we're always at a distance. You're always at arm's length because you are a friend. The yeah. expectation from what you have from me is always there. I th- I think really it becomes down to that closeness that closeness that vulnerability you're just opening yourself up when you're that in love with somebody when you're that open and vulnerable and you have to be like that when you're fully in love with somebody then you're open to just being completely hurt and to being left and to then being very lonely and feeling like you don't have any control so i think there's a massive aspect of me in that that is that has that fear of just being hurt the vulnerability, the fear of like letting people in too close, and then Big time. because you're waiting for them to disappear or die, possibly because you know Absolutely. I'm not joking, but because of experience or 
or whatever it may be. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So somebody could absolutely love you unconditionally and then they could fucking die and yeah. then they're gone because and it's you'd happened kind so kind of many be times. half expecting it in the back of your mind because that's your experience. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So so the counselling is like a long-term thing. Uh, and you, you know, you see yourself continuing it because it helps you with self-management, with coping. Big time. Self-management is really, really interesting because I think that whether you've been through experiences like yours or whether you were someone who... Mm-hmm. It hasn't lost someone and hasn't really struggled and, you know, Touchwood hasn't had tragedy in their life. Yeah. You still need to manage yourself on a daily basis, you know, Definitely. like, and a lot of people really, really struggle with this. And I want to change tack a little bit because, you know, I, I've worked with quite a few kind of like business people over the last few years in, in my coaching and um, they may be really good at making money or the successful or running a business or whatever that that is, but they generally like a train wreck in the kind of... Uh, other areas of their life so health fitness weight management um you know relationships as well in terms of like how much kind of energy they put into them uh so what are your kind of like what have you worked out as a system for yourself for like self-management daily self-management okay well there's 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 a big there's a big point here that is i think is great i mean little little things that you can do all the time are great but let's face it usually when things go wrong for us whoever you are, things start to go really wrong. It tends to be a snowball effect Mm. where either up, how common is it that you're either up and you're doing everything right or you're down and everything's gone to shit? That's usually the case. Mm. And that usually triggers, we we manage to put a system in place that's like, right, I'm doing this diet, I'm doing this routine, I'm signing up for this. People like to pay for stuff. They pay for stuff they don't need to pay for. I'm going to pay for a diet, I'm going to pay for this, I'm going to pay for that. And then we go full speed ahead on one system that works temporarily and then it all goes to shit. And that generally is very, very relevant when it comes to fitness. I want to lose body fat. I want to build muscle. I want to mm. do this. Not necessarily, but if we if we were to assume that people listening to this are people interested in fitness and have perhaps been on that kind of roller coaster of a type journey. So I think most people have I, at I, some point. <laughs> I, I think most people have. Um, and the, and, and in it, you see a lot of information online and it's almost like it's very i don't know it's it's just not very real a lot of it's sort of unrealistic and 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 it's hard to stick to it so the thing i would say the saying a very good friend of mine mr wayne o'kell he was he's helped me with a lot of things over the years and he said to me survive the moment that is what it's about survive the moment and i'm actually going to have that on the last piece of my tattoo which i'm getting next week this is the last piece of my arm sleeve with my warrior sleeve that I have here. So you've got a little gap. <laughs> a little just, gap, yeah. Just there. Survive the moment. Now, what yeah. that means to me and what I take from that, I'm going to tell you the story, actually, from what he said to me. I was having... Joe, you know what? I have to tell you this. This is brilliant. I need to tell you this story. This is relevant Um, to put it into context because I think that helps people to understand. Um, right, okay. So this year, um, we have to come back to exactly what I'm doing business-wise, but I'm doing my gladiator camps. I've taken on the new project to the rugby club gym. Um, I've been working full speed ahead. Now, hitting a hard time, do I stay where I'm sat, earning okay money, delivering a service I'm happy with? Do I stay in the comfort zone or do I expand? And expanding means risk. I'm putting on risk. I'm putting myself out there. So not only am I putting myself out there business-wise, offering more classes, which means I'm expanding, which means it costs me more. So it's kind of spending money to make money. You lay on more to be able to scale up. But I left myself very, very vulnerable. So instead of staying in my little safe haven at the tarot, I expand to the rugby club where I've got to stand in front of 50 hard asses 
rugby players. I'm this like little punk that doesn't know anything about rugby. I've got to stand myself there going, hey, I'm this gladiator man that wants to come in and do some stuff in your club. You know, that is very a vulnerable place for me to be. I feel like I'm a piece of shit, like I'm not good enough, like I won't be accepted. So I go into this zone. Eventually, I build it up. It's good. Gladiator camp's going. Everything's expanding. I've got this new gym project. I want to completely revamp their gym, do a fundraiser, get it all done, keep everybody happy, do it right for my business, have it all good. So all of this is going on. Pressure, 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 pressure. I'm worried about all these things financially, personally, all these levels. Worrying about all this. The light at the end of the tunnel is get this Challenge Annika style project, raise the money, get in the gym, pimp it up, get everybody to walk in and go, wow, oh my God, the gym is amazing. You're amazing. Can't believe you've done this for the club. Now Gladiator Camp can expand. Everything's great. That's my goal. When I reach that goal, I'm absolutely exhausted. I've never pushed myself so hard mentally, emotionally and physically. I reach that point and I'm absolutely over the moon with it. Take a day off, relax. I'm having a conversation with somebody and I start to find out that there's people that are unhappy with what I've done and people that are basically talking shit about me behind my back and they don't like what I've done here, there. And I just didn't have the capacity to take any more. I was like, I've just pushed myself to the limit it, with this expectation of the happiness that would await me mm. at the end. And instead of that, I had people chucking arrows at me. And literally, I nearly had a meltdown. All of my insecurities and self-doubts came to the surface. I didn't have the resilience to cope with it because I was pushed. I was completely, I hadn't had enough Depleted. sleep. Complete, yeah. co completely depleted. Anyway, so I phone up Wayne and I said, look, I've got to speak to you. Like, you know, I'm really worried. This is what I'm feeling. People are doing this. And I was nearly, could have been in tears, literally just sitting there, fuck the hard Viking look and all that. I'm just literally like a broken man. Just felt like a real piece of shit. Mm. You know, felt really mm. bad. Mm. And like you'd actually put yourself on the line and what you believe in and like sort of stepped into a bit of the dream. Yeah. And some people are judging it, saying it's not good enough. They didn't like it, whatever, because people are dicks. Yeah. Especially <laughs> yeah. especially on social media. But these are real people. <laughs> exactly, exactly that. Exactly yeah. that, right? So that's where I've got. And I phoned up Wayne and I've said this to him. And he just said, right, first of all, you don't need to worry because you're speaking to the right person. He goes, this is what I do. I work with people in the Navy. I do this hard, resilient stuff. And who is this guy? Um, he's a guy I know from the rugby club. Okay. Um, he, yeah, he's a Navy guy. He does yeah. lots of resilience training, fitness training, all okay. sorts of, like, yeah. he's incredible. Yeah. He's, he's, he's amazing. Can't speak highly enough of him. Mm. And, um, yeah, he just said, right, okay. He goes, this sounds ridiculous. He, he goes, pat yourself down. I was like, right. He goes, have you been shot? And I said, no. He goes, well, you're right then, aren't you? <laughs> right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, so you're not being shot. And he goes, right. He goes, forget. He goes, it's ridiculous. He goes, when I first went out on a tour, yeah, when he goes, when I was a, a sprog, he goes, and we started getting live fire, he, he said, I absolutely lost my shit. And he goes, I literally nearly had a meltdown. And his superior was there. And he said, Wayne, get yourself together. Get yourself together. He's like, oh, oh. And he goes, exactly that. Pat yourself down. Have you been shot? No. Good. Now we've got somewhere to start. So it's not that bad, is it? Yeah, you're alive. You're mm. going. He goes, You. it sounds stupid, but he goes, you don't need to worry about it. It's just people have said something, mm. you know? And he, and he just started talking me through how you just need to think about it. 
you know, put yourself in their shoes. Okay, what what are they saying? What is it unreasonable? Have they got a point? Would you maybe say the same thing? It's not necessarily a personal attack on you. Somebody's just had an opinion, and opinions are ourselves, isn't it? We've all got one. Yes. You know, yeah. and and that's it. And it's yeah. not necessarily a personal attack. Yeah. But I was in a frame of mind where I was extremely sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. So I've taken it very personally when one, it might not have been meant personally whatsoever, and two, that person just could be a complete dick, and who cares anyway? So let's start breaking this down. Do these people really matter, or could I maybe consider? other people's point of view differently next time in the future all of that sort of stuff so for me it's it's about that and actually then going off on one now the main things that i find that really help me when i'm having a hard day and i feel like i'm losing my track a little bit losing my thread um i just do little things right okay right okay look the other night i was really stressed out and fucking hell i'm just feeling not feeling it winter's coming in it's cold feeling a bit down it's not working Right, and I felt like I want to go home and just buy Domino's pizza and sit there or go home and hit a bottle of wine. No. What are you going to do? You're going to go to the shop, get some really nice food. You're going to go home, put some tunes on, have a nice glass of red wine, and you're going to cook a nice meal, listen to pink, some Pink Floyd or something, chill out, have a glass of wine, cook some really nice food, and then just sit there and just have a nice evening. So just focus on a simple task. Rather than go home, get a Domino's and sit wanking myself off under a duvet somewhere, go, I'm going to drive to the shop. Mm. I can do that because mm. sometimes I get a fear like I don't want to be out in public. I fear people. I just feel like really? I need to hide away. Okay, yeah. so you, you, people are looking at you, they're, they're saying stuff, they're judging you there. Yeah. You just yeah. don't want to be around people. Yeah, just feel like okay. I can't cope with it. So yeah. Yeah. just to do a little task like I'm going to go to the shop. I'm yeah. going to get some nice food. Which comes back to the, the quote which is survive the moment. It's like you're anchoring yourself in something that's yeah. mundane, but it's like brings you back to the present moment. Definitely. So your brain's not spinning off into, oh, and then they're going to say this, and then this is going to happen, and then you know everything's going to come crashing down, yeah. or something in the past. So you're kind of, I guess, anchoring yourself into that kind of, you know, yeah, big normality. Time. Big time, big yeah. time. I find um, something like that, shopping and cooking, cooking yeah. for a friend is good. Yeah. Um, going out for a walk, always go out for a walk you never ever regret going for a walk yeah, getting amongst nature is get off your phone get into nature that is a winner that that there is the magic literally the magic formula not just because it works for you personally and it certainly is my first thing when when i'm having when i'm struggling with stuff it builds up and then i know i just need to go and hit like the the hills for a couple of hours big time but there's research into it as well like research into forest bathing you know medical research in japan yeah. And actually, it has a massive effect on your immune system. Yeah. Boosts natural killer cells. Uh, loads and loads of stuff going on in the background, especially if you're in forests and trees and woodland and stuff like that. Amazing. I've done loads of research into it. And even looking at pictures of green spaces on a computer screen is enough to have an effect wow. on your um, immune system. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, sorry. Little, no. little tangent there. No, no, no. Well, I'll tell you, actually, this is this is a good one. Um, I'd actually given up drinking for a few months because I just wanted to remove alcohol from my life. Because period periodically I dip in and out of alcohol. Alco I have a problem. Um, I'm a very addictive person. And again, this is why I wanted to come away from the fairy tale thing. Because it's not like, oh, this guy, he's like, you know, gone through this rough time, lost his parents, done all this, and he's come through and now he's this fitness guy and now he's like doing this. That's fairy tale bullshit. That's very, very seldomly is that actually really the case, whether you see these people on social media and that. 
oh shit, you don't know what's going on inside somebody else's life and inside their mind. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make all your problems go away just because you've been something and come out the other side. Um, and I think it's very real. You know, I still have problems with, you know, alcohol and, oh, I just need to be aware of it, you know, and I'm not scared to admit that. I'm not going to sit here and give it the Billy Big Bollocks. You know, there's things like that I'll do. I get, like, I, I suffer with anxiety or depression or I just want to hit the bottom of a bottle and I just manage it. Like, we went on holiday when I'm um, with my girlfriend, Jodie, and we decided we wanted to go on a little Euro trip and I wasn't drinking, so mm. I wanted to go away and it would be the first holiday I'd had really properly, like, away from alcohol. And we planned a nice little trip through Italy, France and Spain, visiting friends in Italy and... It was absolutely great. Like, we just went over there. We stayed in a wooden cabin. We like, got the bikes. And we're just going out cycling. Um, I was using non-alcoholic beers. Um, that was a very good way for me to feel like I was having a beer. Um, I talked about that with my counsellor, actually. I was a bit worried that that was just kind of just replacing it with a placebo. And I was worried about how healthy that approach was. Mm. And he's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it works. What yeah. does it matter? Like, Placebos work. Placebos are super powerful anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and what's wrong with that if it works, yeah. right? Yeah. So we've just gone around and we've just been cycling around. We went up to Lake Garda. Then we went into France. Oh, it was, it, was, it was strange. I'll tell you what, and I'll tell you this story again. So again, another flip on that is I could tell you this whole story about how, oh, it was great and we were like having a great time together cycling, doing all this. But actually, I might just bullshit you there. Got halfway through the holiday. We're on holiday, having the time of our lives. I just started getting a bit grumpy, a bit grouchy. Maybe I was missing my routine. Maybe not drinking was becoming a little bit hard, not getting the release, not learning to create mindfulness in the right way. Anyway, and we needed, we had a bit of an argument one day. And I said, I'll tell you what we need. We need a change of pace. What we're going to do tomorrow morning, we're going to get up, set the alarms at 6 a.m., we're going to get up early when it's still dark, get down to that beach and hike up that mountain that looks out over the sea. And we're going to change the pace. We're going to just walk up top there and watch the sunrise. Absolutely changed the dynamic of everything. We like went home, got an early night, got up early, packed a little breakfast and we trekked up and just looked out. That's a little secret to changing your state is like changing your environment. Like if, you know, you're in a particular mood, if you're in a particular kind of... Uh mental state at any given time our tendency i think is that we kind of keep on doing it's like we keep on picking the scab yeah. you know of what we're doing at that moment that's creating the feeling and one of the easiest ways to like literally change the state of how you're feeling your breathing pattern your kind of mindset is to change your environment to go and do something physical to literally physically change like go outside go into the woods go go 100%. into the gym do something like that and it's such Big a time. simple simple thing but it'll just kick you back into uh and know, it does it does Okay, so I was at a business event last November, so uh, November 2018, yeah. and uh, I met this guy who basically he was a vegan nutrition. Mm -hmm. He had an online business basically helping people adopt a vegan diet and a vegan lifestyle. Yeah. And I was kind of interested, and in he, it was the first time I heard of like Veganuary. I think like January last year was going to be Veganuary, yeah. uh, you know, where everyone like goes vegan for a month. And mm -hmm. I was kind of interested. I was like, I was sort of toying with the idea of trying it, and then I had one vegan meal and uh, realised that um, I wasn't committed. <laughs> yeah. now, but I know that you had a proper experiment, didn't you? Yeah. With veganism, with adopting a vegan diet. Did you do it for a month? 
Yeah, I did it for a month. I did it for a month last um, February. And you documented quite a lot of it on social media. and Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Um, it's a massive topic to go into. Um, so I think my personal experience of it, it was very, 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 very hard. I found it very, very difficult. I found it... In what way? Like, what did you find hard about it? Already eating an, a well-balanced diet and getting the right nutrients without overeating is already the hardest aspect of health and fitness for me. Um, so to make it even harder by making your diet restricted to vegan friendly foods um, was already, uh, it was going to be a lot more time consuming and really, really difficult. So that was immediately the main thing. So to hit your macros or like to get enough protein Big to time. get a good balance, yeah, to make sure you're covering all of the essential amino acids, etc., the usual stuff. Yeah, so that went on. And it was good. I learned a lot. And um, I think what really kind of sort of bugs me, my whole motivation for doing it um, was because of all these, all these ridiculous, you get claims on health and fitness on every aspect, whether it's the keto or all these sorts of silly diets and things. Um, but the thing that really ground my gears was just constantly saying, you know, like vegan protein is superior and this, that and the other. And it just kind of really annoyed me. It's like, what the what the message should be was if people want to be vegan because they genuinely morally agree with it, I think it's absolutely amazing, and I know a lot of vegan people, and that, and that's great. Um, but what they should be saying is, here's how you can get the correct protein by eating vegan, not to go it's superior because it isn't superior, and and that's just a fact of life. They, they they're saying the wrong thing, but it. it it's not just them, like all, every single diet or belief system, like with the diet is, that's what they say. And yeah, and it's they're simply, trying to sell something usually. Yeah. And not, it's just, not everyone, but. no, and it's just simply not true. And it's like, at the end of the day, whey protein, we all know that it is essentially a waste product, but it is the most, it's the most perfect complex of amino acids that there is. So to have whey protein in terms of recovering your muscles is amazing. Yes, it's not the most healthy food that you could have. And I personally don't use it. I'm using a vegan protein powder now, which I'd like to state. Um, yeah, me too. I use Revolution Foods. Yeah. Raw Sport. Like their Raw Sport line is amazing. And by the way, if you're listening, you can get a 20% discount on any Revolution Foods or Raw Sport product if you enter the code RESET20. That's RESET, R-E-S-E-T 20. Sorry, just my little... Uh, no, no. I don't get a kickback from them. That's literally a discount for people listening and they benefit. I don't get anything, but I just love their guys, their, their product and their ethos mm. and their company is really, really good. So I like to promote them. Yeah, no, no, it's good. It's good. And, and I'm all about that, you know, and, and I think that's the thing. It's giving out honest information here. Um, for me, I'm not having this vegan protein because I believe it's a superior pro protein for rebuilding muscles. I just want to have a clear, I want to have a clean, pure, healthy product and whey protein is not it. But to say it's not great for building muscles, it is. It, it's a fact it, of life. And it actually, is. like, you know, when people say that vegan proteins are superior, it's a little while since I dug into the research. When it comes to protein powders, actually, whey protein is a lot more absorbable. You absorb more, uh, a much higher percentage of whey protein-based products uh, and assimilate it better. And uh, it's harder. I, I can't remember what the percentages are, but it's like... Mm. I won't say because I'll mess it up, but you absorb a lot less from traditionally from vegan proteins. And they've done some really interesting research with, I think, um, cancer patients in hospital who couldn't tolerate kind of nutrition and food. And they actually, whey protein was what they used. And uh, 
I think it was kind of kind of like a wonder food in certain situations. Exactly. Because it's, it's like, uh, you know, high quality nutrition. Absolutely. And if you want to talk about, actually, it's healthier if you use a vegan or plant-based protein, that's great. But give people factual information. And it almost sounds like I'm suggesting that it's the, it's vegan, the, the vegan promotion that's doing that. It's, it's not all different diets do it, don't they? You know, in the, the keto stuff, all that. It's just, it's a whole load of nonsense, really. If you morally want to be vegan and you want to do something, then absolutely amazing and do it. But just do understand that you have to get the right amount of nutrients from different foods and you need to mix up your protein sources and actually understand it, which most people don't. They have no clue. And People have a hard enough time understanding what, you know, protein, fats and carbs, where they come from with just any food, whether it's, absolutely. you know, forget, forget any kind of label or any kind of particular uh, approach, you know, people really, really struggle on the absolute basics of nutrition. I work with so many clients who want to lose weight and they've been struggling to lose weight for like sort of 10 years and they've tried all sorts of things under the sun and you ask them what their, roughly what their protein intake is and they don't, under, they don't know, but they think it's high and then when you actually track it, yeah, it's usually really quite low. And like in the health and fitness industry, people bang on about protein. And I think health and fitness is a little bit infected by bodybuilding and has been over the years. Mm. And we look at, you know, kind of uh, perhaps there's too much kind of importance made of protein. But when you when you understand actually that every single cell in the body, apart from red blood cells, like require and use and create proteins like for signaling and communication and different bodily processes, it's why it's called protein. It's protein. It's like the primary nutrient. It is super, super mm. important. So my point is that people struggle with any kind of food. And so when, if you're going to go and experiment with kind of a vegan diet with veganuary, with, you know, becoming a long-term vegan, do your research. Make sure you do it properly. Make sure that you are kind of fueling your body and getting the kind of nutrients that you require. Yeah, and I think actually this brings up the whole thing of it's, it is really about having some consistently healthy daily and weekly habits in your life having dry january vegan annuary whatever you call all of these things they're all just a little bit ridiculous aren't they i mean if, if you actually to make small adjustments that you can sustain long term is is what you want to do if you actually really want to make a difference and you you know like the you know if, if you are a meat eater and you're interested in becoming a vegan a vegan um friend of mine said to me he's like just start to become a vegetarian first. Let's take it one step at a time. And I totally agreed with him. Make one step at a time, make some little changes and educate yourself and see how you cope. If you've got an alcohol problem and you just give up for January, you know, by February, you're going to be back on the piss. You know, maybe just break it down a little bit, start to look at these things in a little bit more of a long-term way than a quick fix. People like a little quick fix. Yeah, exactly. It's because we've been conditioned, you know, to, to consume, to buy, Mm. basically to and you said this earlier you said like people like spending money on kind of diets and fitness trends and fads that they don't necessarily need i think what a lot of people are trying to do is they're really actually trying to buy the result <laughs> without doing the work 100 percent. and that's why like we have like you know by the year 2025 i say this a lot like i think it's 30 uh sorry yeah 30 no 46 percent of men and 37 percent of women i think in the UK are going to be obese, not overweight, obese, according to UA, uh, NHS statistics, government, UK government statistics. And, you know, the figures are kind of scary for type 2 diabetes. And mm. even though we, like, we have so much health and fitness knowledge, diet knowledge, nutrition knowledge, there are thousands and thousands of diets out there, you know, keto, like from a paleo, mm. uh, Atkins kind of vegan, you know, zone, whatever it may be. 
the point is we still have these kind of uh, these epidemic trends and like people are still in perhaps not the best shape uh, and I think that's that's usually it because people are trying to it, it's very simple at the end of the day but a lot of people just don't want to actually put the work in absolutely absolutely that yeah I so totally agree the vegan the vegan thing's uh, interesting and the reason I brought it up is because I'm, I'm really I find it fascinating and I, I haven't done enough research on this so I do not speak with any authority however I totally respect, as you do, anyone who is a vegan because of, you know, kind of personal reasons, uh, fits in their core values, ethical reasons, also sustainability and like wanting to look after the planet and things like that. I think uh, it's important, but I don't think it's the way it's being presented at the moment. There's quite a militant kind of uh, vegan establishment that's very aggressive. And I think that's damaging ultimately. And also, I think the research isn't conclusive as to it is the best choice for health Mm -hmm. or even the future of the planet certainly not saying that we should all keep on eating loads and loads of meat but i think that there's a it's a conversation that needs to be sort of dug into properly and like there needs to be a lot more research into it so um, I, I just i wanted to get your kind of perspective on it but if if someone let's say a lot of people are going to try vegan veganuary or whatever it's yeah. called, they're going to go vegan in january and i think that's a great thing i think it's brilliant to experiment mm-hmm. and have variety open your kind of mind and also you know like have less impact on the planet but if someone's going to do that, what would you give, like, top three things? What what should they keep in mind when they're switching over? I I actually think a really good thing to do is to actually try track track your nutrition. And MyFitnessPal is a free app that people can use to do that. So that's quite a good that's quite a good way to do it, just to start to get an idea of your fats, carbs, and proteins and have a little look. And it, it, is, it is worth doing that, just to look at the proteins. Another thing, really, mix up your protein sources. So don't eat the same... Thing all the time and if you are going to do it stay away from vegan junk food one <laughs> it's ridiculously expensive two it's not healthy if you want to be healthier then you need to be cooking get in the kitchen and cook from scratch use all your beans pulses lentils all that type of stuff that is the way that you want to do it don't start eating corn and pre-made and like vegan burgers because that's a load of crap and you're not going to be healthier if you're going to do it you should be healthier from doing it. And that means get your ass in the kitchen and start cooking from scratch. If you're not really good at cooking, it's a great opportunity to learn. And it is about that fresh, wholesome foods and don't fall into fads. Again, everyone wants your money, don't they? You walk into the supermarket, there's a whole vegan section everywhere you go now, but it's vegan junk food. That is not healthy food. So, And do your research. Like, Actually, don't just like start eating vegetables. Yeah, <laughs> like actually do your research and make sure you're fueling your body properly. But a lot of people will feel good, and that's because they'll be eating not necessarily because it's a vegan diet, but because they'll, for the first time in a while, be eating like whole foods, natural whole foods, Absolutely. and actually their nutrient kind of intake will go up. Absolutely, yeah, because they'll probably be taking away refined sugars and a lot of junk food and fast food. So definitely get in there, and even if you, if even if you're not, if you're listening to this. And you're not interested in the in the vegan January challenge. Just it's a great opportunity to start thinking about your health and in implicating some small positive changes. And can we lead this into the next thing that I know that you want to talk about right now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is that like, are you a fireman? <laughs> yeah. Were you a fireman? No, that is. I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> I know you weren't. <laughs> but um, in, in actual fact, um, we will bring this in now and um. You asked me before about Gladiator Camp, yes, which please. is my business. Yeah. Um, so that question, am I a fireman, is the perfect one. So I'm going to pick back up where I left off before. So 
after my mum died, she was the, the last one to go before my, my brother the other year. Anyway, in this run, my mum passed away. I was in a really low spell. She died. I was off work. I just started to go back into work after a couple of months. I was just organising, running the house and sorting everything out. And basically went back to work. First, I went back to work. I wrote my car off. And then that weekend, I went out, went to a heavy metal gig, fell over and broke my leg. So I was laying at home, lost my parents, just lost my mum, which was hard, got a broken leg, just written off my car, just literally was at the lowest of the low of the low, could have literally killed myself. All I wanted to do is basically get back on the drink and drugs. And I I was left there with the house, so I could have easily rented my house out and just travelled. And I knew if I did that, I'd end up in Thailand just on drink and drugs and everything like this. And maybe never come back. Maybe never come back. I'd disappear down a hole. I would probably die. So I knew I needed to do something. And I hobbled down to the town, Petersfield town, on my crutches with my broken leg. And um, bumped into a friend. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, thinking of joining the fire service, actually, as a retained firefighter. And I was like, oh, brilliant, brilliant. I went and sat down, had a coffee. And I was thinking, oh, I love that. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I wouldn't mind a bit of that myself. And I thought that'd be really good motivation for me right now. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to call my friend Jim, who I went to school with. I know he's a retained firefighter at Petersfield. I'm going to call him up. Walked out of my coffee, went to go home and bumped into Jimmy. I was like, I can't believe I've just bumped into you. I was literally just thinking about you. What's it actually take to become a retained firefighter? Do you think I could do it? You know, I've got my broken leg, but, you know, obviously it's going to get better. Be a nice motivation. And he said, come down to the fire station, meet the the watch manager and go from there. Anyway, to cut a long story short, that became my goal to rehabilitate my leg. I didn't get on the drink and drugs. I got my act together, applied to join Petersfield Fire Station as a retained firefighter. And and there you go. So that was December. And by the following September, I'd already passed my initial assessments and I was on station with my uniform, getting ready to do my training. So... Joining the fire service was one of the biggest changes that I'd ever brought into my life. And I really took myself out of the darkness and really put myself here. And having that militant aspect to my life and that purpose. That structure, like, yeah. Oh, it was fantastic to be on the parade line, polish your boots, iron your shirt, clean shaved, nice smart haircut, all of that. It just completely changed my life. And I can tell you right now, when I got awarded my alerta, when I passed my first module, so I was able to go out as an operational firefighter, I was sitting at home, had my alerta. It was a cold, wet, rainy night in February of that following year, so it was that long until I was actually operational. I sat at home on my computer, and the alerta went off, and it's like, bib, 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 bib. and I was like, ah, 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 what's going on, what's going on? And I got, got in the car, went down to the fire station, dark, pissing with rain, and I went in there and they were like, right, the job's RTC trapped. So it means a road traffic collision with people trapped. And it's like one of the most serious jobs that you can have in the fire service. And I was like, shit, don't know what I'm doing. So I grabbed my uniform, I grabbed my kit and I've got up on the fire fire appliance. And I just remember the blue lights going, the sirens going, hammering with rain. And we hammered out the, the door in the fire engine. And my heart was just going like the clappers. And I, rem- I remember thinking like, oh my God, we're going to a road accident. What if I'm not able to do the job? What if I'm a fraud? I shouldn't be here. I'm not good enough. And it was probably like the biggest high I've ever had in my life out of every single thing that I'd done. To think that I'd taken myself from that darkness 
to put myself through this training and none of the training came easy to me. I had to redo assessments, I had to redo stuff. I'm really dyslexic. It's a really hard thing for me and I just really faced my fears and I got through this training and to go out on that job and be involved in rescuing people from car accidents and and all the things that go with it, that was like, it was the real, it, it was the most incredible thing I'd ever done. And then from there, that is what led me into creating Gladiator Camp. So I love that as such a positive moment. And you can see that that's a turning point for you. Big like time. A massive turning point. Yeah. And so the Gladiator Camp was born. Yeah, it, it was born off of the back of that, really. Um, I was still working in fitness and doing the retained as, a, as the part time as it is. And I decided that I wanted to create a training camp that was different to any normal bog standard fitness classes and things that you, you, you get. I wanted to create something that was like a brotherhood, like a unity of people that brings people together. And it's so much more. I've never been motivated by counting calories and six packs and people taking steroids and all that crap. I've never been interested in that. For me, everything's in the mind. And it's about that unity of people, bringing people together. It's about a feeling of something that's inside of you. And that is what I wanted to do. And I opened up Gladiator Camp. I created a six-week training camp that people signed up for and the idea that you came in and you did it and I called it Steve's Gladiator Camp like nothing you have ever seen and it just became exactly that it was just something completely unique completely different anybody from any walk of life could just come in do their best get trained you know old school old school mentality with modern day thinking when it comes to technique and training and safety and that's exactly what um, I created. And that was my vision and my goal to build that empire. And I built that up over four years. And then I reached a point in my life where it was time to move on to change. And actually, um, I have to tell you this part of the story because I think it is important for people to see this because I could easily go on now and make it sound very glorious. I reached a point there um, and that was where then my other brother had passed away so I'd had another bereavement and it had brought back a lot of old feelings and I hit quite a hard moment of depression and my mental health was really starting to affect me so gladiator camp was going well the fire service was going well um, but I really did hit a sign of depression and I was signed off from work by the doctor um, I took some time away and I decided that that was the point when I really wanted to take some time out and then create my own business. So at the moment, I was teaching Gladiator Camp from the Tarot Centre, working for the Tarot Centre in the gym. Which is like a leisure centre. It's like a you know council-run leisure centre yeah. with, with a big gym. Yeah, big leisure centre there. So I was doing that, uh, which was great for me building up my business, but it wasn't me owning my own business. It wasn't me making real money and, and, and sort of owning my own thing. It was all run through them, even though it was my branding. And so I took this time out. And I just took a really bold move. Basically, I came back and I said, um, you know, I just want to have it as my own business. And I was very fortunate that they were very happy to keep me on. So I now just rent the space and just run my business independently from the Tarot Centre as well as the rugby club. Um, and it was at that point when I was like, right, I want to come in. I want to have my own business. I want to expand the Gladiator Camp and you know, add more classes, bring in other instructors and literally run my own business. And it was at that point when I decided to leave the fire service because I wanted to put everything into my business 110% and I'd been in the fire service for eight years and I really felt as if 
the fire service had really saved my life. It had been such a big part of my life. It had really been a transition from me to becoming a man and to doing something different and to serving purpose and serving my community. But it just felt like a stepping stone that needed to go. I needed to go to the next level. And it brings us back to the first point that you asked me about the beard. I hadn't shaved where I'd been off work, signed off um, under depression. And I was literally about to shave, clean shave, go back to the fire station and begin, you know, running Gladiator Camp as my own business, but still working as a retained firefighter. And I looked in the mirror and I just threw my razor away and I was like, I'm not going to shave. I'm not going to shave because this beard that I've grown as I've been signed off for two months under depression, this beard is now a metaphor for my new life and my new business and for the next step of my life. And I threw my razor away and I've never shaved again since. And that was when I walked away from the fire service. I handed in my resignation and I gave Gladiator Camp 110% of my energy and that's when I've I've built up to, to what I have now. So and it's very authentically you as well. It's like mm. a lot of people out there kind of cultivate an image for a certain kind of a, a effect or try and portray something that behind closed doors I don't think they are. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know you really really well, but you know what you have, the look, the kind of business, the 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 kind of the mission you have with Gladiator Camp seems a very authentic thing for you because it sort of bundles everything together. Mm. It's like you've come full circle where you said you started off with a kind of heavy metal and um, that world. And then you've kind of come back almost into kind of acknowledging that that's a part of your heritage. hundred percent. That is exactly it. It's like having the beard. And it's like when you went it, when I went into fitness, it was like, oh, you shouldn't have a funny haircut. You shouldn't be listening to heavy metal when you're teaching classes and it's like fitness is so full of plastic people people don't look like that most of the time you know like there are bulking and cutting phases and people are not in like single digit body fat percentage all year round what you see on social media is just not really representative and it's interesting to hear that you don't uh, personally i've always struggled to count i don't i don't track my nutrition yeah you know over the summer i got down to like kind of about nine percent body fat and had a relatively good six pack but i refused to shave off my kind of chest wig yeah um yeah I think this is a part of the problem with the industry as well. As well as, you know, everyone being in it for the money at the moment, lots of fads and lots of trends. We're focusing too much on aesthetics. And for me, like fitness, health, Mm. it's about like kind of bettering yourself and trying to fulfill your potential. Yeah. And being functional for something. And aesthetics never really works long term. No. You know, people might want to get in shape for the wedding or for, you know, the the two-week holiday on the beach. But it's... It's not a very good motivator. So I want to just take you back one one step, if that's all right, into the darkness. Mm-hmm. Not actually, yeah. But um, I just wanted to ask you. So I, I surveyed my audience on Instagram a while ago, and I don't have a huge audience, but I've got an engaged audience. A lot of people who are very engaged and they interact. And mm-hmm. I asked people what they wanted. I was talking specifically about the podcast. I was looking for guests to book, and I asked people what they wanted, what kind of information and content they wanted. I said, "Do you want fat loss, muscle building?" optimizing your health and kind of, uh, you know, uh, building true health from the inside out or mindset and mental health. And overwhelmingly, people wanted content on mindset and in particular, mental health. Mm -hmm. So for someone listening to this who might have been through a bereavement, they're in a really dark place, they're at rock bottom, they are are in a depressed state, they have depression. Can you give someone a little roadmap, you know, maybe three to five steps 
what what would you, in your experience, recommend that person does to dig themselves out of this this hole that can feel like it's bottomless at times? Okay, right now, definitely the things that you need to have a healthy, strong mind and to be able to cope. You need to be drinking water. You need to be having good nutrition, and you need to have sleep and rest. You need to have those, and that is without a shadow of a doubt. But that's kind of bullshit advice for somebody that's sitting there because you really don't care about those things when you're really di- in a really dark place. So port of call number one, for me, this is what I would do, is I would implicate small changes of activity on a daily basis. So for example, I will give an example of myself when I was really in a dark place. I'd come out of a relationship. I was really heartbroken. I felt really low. I just felt like I didn't have any motivation to do anything. It was getting ridiculous. I just couldn't get myself going. So I was like, right, what I'm going to do, I'm going to sleep in a different bedroom. I'm like, right, I'm going to move it around. So I'm going to make, it sounds ridiculous, but hear me out. I was like, I'm going to make my going to bed routine different. I'm going to move into this room, change this around. So when I went to bed at night, I was going in a different place, getting in there, having a good night's sleep. When I woke up, I was in a different room. My day began differently. I then came out and got in the car. I changed the CDs that I had in the car. So it wasn't the same music that was triggering memories and certain feelings and emotions. And then I started driving to work a different way. I'm not saying that's possible for everybody, but little things like that. So I'd woken up in a different room. So the morning's already started differently. Okay, so it's not so bad. It doesn't have to be the same way. Get in the car. I drove a different way. So I was now going to a different way to work. Oh, I'm listening to different music. And slowly but surely, my daily routine started to change because nothing needs to be the same forever. When you are in a spot where you feel that things won't change, things are never going to change, things will always change, things will always pass. And you don't have to force this thing. If something's really hard or it's really sad or it's really emotional for you, go with it. If you need to cry, cry. If you need to hide away under a duvet every now and then, do it. But make little small changes. Oh, and, and, you know, and you're just sitting there and you think, oh, I can't go out, you can't face the world. Go out for a walk. Just go out for a walk, go and be in nature. If you have anxiety, we all have anxiety sometimes at different levels. I've had it before where I'm like, I can't go to the shop because I can't handle facing people. So go to the shop late at night when there's less people about so you can still do it. Having nature in your life is a really, really positive thing. If you try to get just 30 minutes a day in nature, it will uplift you. You know, it really, really will. And you don't have to do anything. I just sorry to interrupt, but you, yeah. you don't have to try and consciously think about anything. Yeah. It's not anything you need to do. Literally just go and spend time walking in nature because it'll do it for you. It does the work for you. Big time, big time. And you know what? We're our own worst enemies because nobody can beat yourself. No, nobody can beat you up like you can beat yourself up. And give yourself a break. Stop being so hard on yourself. Self-acceptance is the biggest thing for me. That Even now I'll get days where it's like I wake up one day and feel like, I could take on the world. I've got my gladiator camp, so I can do this, that, and the other. Another day, as I wake up, look in the mirror, and I'll go, shit, 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 shit. That's shit. And I'll just feel like shit. And I feel like nothing about me is good enough. And you just suck it up and just get on with it. Get on with the day. Just, just positive action. Positive action is the best thing that you can do. Just tiny, tiny little things. And even if that's one tiny thing a day, it is different for everybody. So there isn't just a set roadmap. But just little small positive habits make all the difference in what you can do, you know, and definitely, definitely nature is the king. So I love, I basically love what you've just described there. That That's absolutely amazing. I think that advice is, 
I really want to encourage anyone who's in the situation where they need kind of need to change things in their life. They need to kind of dig themselves out of a, mm-hmm. out of a rut. Like really heed that advice because it's behavioural change and it's environment. Like we said earlier, it's like changing your environment, mm-hmm. and that is massively, massively powerful. And ultimately, that's a kind of recipe for success as well. Not necessarily just a re- recipe for improving your mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, improving your mental health, perhaps overcoming depression and getting yourself kickstarted again. But it's a recipe for success in other areas because basically you're talking about beliefs and habits and behaviours, which is what literally life is made of. Like the results you get in any area are made of the habits Mm -hmm. and the behaviours you have. And so if you take small steps like changing those habits, even if it's like sleeping in a different room, changing the CDs, driving a different route to work, Incredibly powerful stuff. I really like Massively. that. And Massively. It's, it's different to the usual advice. Because I think what's interesting is when someone's actually suffering with depression, motivation is bullshit. Absolutely. It's like just literally not helpful in any way. It's not a case of, oh, well, yeah, you know, if I only knew that I needed to think more positively, then I would, I'd be fine. Because it just doesn't work on that level. However, those small physical actions, changing environment, changing routine, changing habit, I can see that that would have a, a, a big kind of knock-on effect. This has been an absolute pleasure, Steve. I've, I've loved this conversation. Uh, I really appreciate the fact that you've been, you know, kind of raw, open, honest with people. Where can people find you? If someone wants to find Gladiator Camp, if someone wants to join Gladiator Camp, find out more about you, your business, where can they find you on social media? Amazing. And thank you very much for inviting me, man. This is good. I like a nice little little chat. Keeping it raw and pure is, is the king and that is everything. Um, if people do want to look me up on Instagram, I'm s.stydolf underscore pt or on facebook i'm facebook sjs life gains and you can find me on the gladiator camp if you type that into facebook i'll be on there so people can and I'll see put my... links to yeah. these in, in the notes for the show yeah yeah and what is there a website for gladiator camp or is it all run through social yeah all, all on social media all my details are there in the timetable so if anybody's interested or has any questions or even to do with mental health i like to talk a lot about mental health i think it's a very very important topic and um, I post a lot of fitness content and I'm, I find calories and six packs very, very boring. So I'm not that guy. I'm definitely about mindset is, is everything. Cool. Yeah. Quick question for we before we sign off. What's your definition of success? My definition of success is happiness is everything. Money is bullshit. It doesn't make any difference. I've had stages where I've had a lot of money in my back pocket. And I've had stages where I haven't got a penny to scratch my arse with. Actually being happy and being content is absolutely everything. And it, again, I've already talked about it. Following your passion, doing something that you are passionate about is absolutely everything. When I'm doing my work for Gladiator Camp, I'm passionate about it. When I'm in Gambia doing the work on my project, I'm passionate about it. When I'm just hanging out with some friends like we're drinking that funny juice you've just given me that <laughs> kombucha, is... ladies and gentlemen yeah but, but again but again that's delicious yeah. i i'd be passionate about that you yeah. know already i'm thinking brilliant and i know if i took some of that to jody she'd be like oh yeah you're great again it's like that if we were sitting here now having some food we're like, oh yeah you got some vegetables from the garden brilliant i'm it, that excites me being passionate you like about... life yeah it's experiences ex- and like you know real things real things definitely <laughs> i haven't got any time for for the fake stuff you and... just slipped something in which i had on my list and i forgot to ask you your project in gambia like what is that yeah well basically um i went i went on holiday to gambia five years ago now i went on holiday to gambia um i was seeing a girl 
and I really kind of wanted to blow her mind. So I booked us up this kind of fantasy sort of sunshine Christmassy trip and it didn't work out between us. You know, it was all a bit, bit, bit like that. And I was in a really dark place, you know, I was still coming off the back of sort of losing my folks and, you know, my mental health is quite hard over Christmas time and that time of year. Um, and I just wanted to get away and just chase the sunshine. The Caribbean is too expensive. Got a friend who's a travel agent. He set me up with Gambia and um, I ended up going on my own. And I was in a really fucking dark place, actually. I was on the plane going over there like, fuck my life. I've either spent Christmas on my own drinking myself into a coma or just just doing whatever, really. So I got on the plane, went over there full of anxiety, didn't know what to expect, going to an African country on my own. I was like, fuck my life, what's happening? And it just completely changed my life. I got talking to some local lads. I'm not a person that sits around at the hotel. I spent Christmas Day. This guy took me to his house and his mum like cooked me Christmas dinner. The little girls there grinding up the herbs, just sitting there having a Christmas dinner in a little hut in the middle of Africa, like no other people, tourists around for miles, just in the middle of a little shanty town. And it just blew my mind. It completely changed my mind. In my mind before I went, I was going to get with this girl. We're going to have this holiday. I was going to come home and get a new bathroom and all this stuff. When I came home, I was like, fuck that. It does not matter. Like I went around Gambia, went and looked at a school, spent Christmas Day with these beautiful, amazing people and just had the time of my life. When I came home, I knew that I needed to turn the experience into something more because I'd gone there in a really low, hard frame of mind. And because I'd thought outside the box and taken a leap of faith and gone out into the community and met people, I had seen the light and I wanted to take it further. And I came back and um, I'd already been told before I went that one of my friends from the fire station, his mum had worked out in Gambia for 25 years with a scouting group. So I knew I had a contact there as soon as I came home. I spoke to my friend, I met his mum and I said, look, I've been to Gambia, I really want to get involved in something. And she said, well, I basically run projects with this community up country and I've just got off the phone to Kinte, who runs the, the projects over there, the Gambian man. And um, basically he's just phoned me to say that there's three classrooms that have fallen down and they're not fit for purpose. We need to raise £10,000 for three new classrooms. And I just said, I will take on that project. I will create Steve's Gambia project 2015. I'll raise you 10 grand and we'll build those classrooms. And that's exactly what I did. And I've never looked back. Gambia has been a part of my life every year. Um, I raised the £10,000 to build three classrooms through the fire service and the gym. Two years ago, I raised £7,000 to build a big wall for a vegetable garden um, so we could get all that planted up because the children at the school do that. And I'm going out in March um, to do a gladiator gym project at the fire station. So I'm taking them some uniforms. It's like really overlooked because they obviously don't have the money, so they don't have uniforms, and people think that's not important. Like safety uniforms. No, well. no, yeah. parade uniforms. Parade uniforms, yeah. Yeah, and, and that yeah. gets so overlooked, like that's not important. I think it's so important. So it's so important um, for a man or a woman that's passed that training to have a uniform so they can be proud, because I remember how proud I was when I got my uniform. And I think overlooking things like that is extremely naive for people that don't really understand true passion because you think that doesn't matter because it's not a practical thing that's going to serve them for their job but they can pass their training and stand there and be a proud member serving their community and that is worth its weight in gold and that affects people's mental state and their mental being so it's very important so i'm taking brand new uniforms from hampshire fire and rescue service parade uniforms i'm going to take operational gloves for safety for when they're working and then i'm going to design a gladiator gym 
Um, and I want the firefighters to build that over the next year. And it will be a gym for the community to use. So that's the next project. That's the that's project for 2020. Do. Absolutely. That, yeah. that is an amazing place to leave this conversation, which I have thoroughly enjoyed. And I really appreciate you making time to do this. And can people donate to that? Is, is there a Just Giving page? or? Um, yeah, I, I will be launching that after my trip in March. I'll be piecing it together and I'll decide exactly how I want the project to work. I need to go and visit the fire station again. I was there last year, uh, this year, in fact. I need to go there again and just outline it. And then in March, I will be launching the details of the project. So if anybody wants to follow me, um, I can link you to my Gambia page as well, or just chat to me on my personal page. So, and maybe we can do like a rematch in like March or after March, and you can update us on the project, and then you can, you know, kind of uh, give people the info. Then, Steve Steidolf, thank been you a very much, sir. It's a pleasure. Thank Brilliant. you.